Okay, let's turn to 1 John chapter 4. Going to try to cover 5, 6, 7, 8, four verses today. We've only been doing two verses for the last several weeks, so this could be a major leap, leap forward. One giant leap for mankind, as they say, in the NASA world. Let's read. I'm going to read verses 5 through 8, 1 John 4. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. You know that expression, I hear you, man, I hear you. Do you hear me, bro? We, there's they and there's we. You know, J. Vernon McGee once famously said, there's only two kinds of people, the saints and the ain'ts. They are of the world, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So they, we, spirit, we've been talking about spirits the last couple weeks. Test the spirits, believe not every spirit, and so forth. So we have here two distinct spirits. The spirit of truth, God's spirit. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then we have the spirit of error. And even as the spirit of truth has its source in the creator of all things, the spirit of error comes from you know where, right? From the enemy. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. Interesting how John ties this together and transitions from this idea of the world, of God, spirit of truth, spirit of error, and then he goes right into let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we survey these four verses from 1 John chapter 4 today, that you would give us insight and understanding. We thank you for the promise that the Lord Jesus gave us that he would make all things known to us. He would lead us into all truth. The Holy Spirit would be our comforter, our counselor, our teacher. So, Lord, just reveal your truth to us today. We know it's already been revealed, and there is no new revelation. Everything that you have wanted us to know has been revealed through your Holy Scriptures, but our understanding is still incomplete. So we ask you to increase our understanding as we study this passage together in Jesus' name. Amen. They are of the world. Now back in 1 John 4, 3, I guess that was just last week we read this. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the big A Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So the spirit of Antichrist was already in the world because ultimately, again, that spirit is Lucifer, Satan. He is behind all of this. But notice, already in the world. And so here John's talking about they are of the world. We are of God. They, being the deceivers or the deceived, and oftentimes they're one and the same because the best deceiver is the one who is personally deceived. Because when you are deceived, you can very convincingly deceive others. Maybe it's called a pathological liar. 
They, being the deceivers who are under the influence of the spirit of Antichrist, which again, ultimately, is Lucifer, Satan. They are of the world or from the world, depending on which translation you read. They are of or from the world. Just as those who love the truth, John says, are of or from God. I, I tell you this all the time. It's not complicated. How do you tell who's of God and who's not? One, God is pro-life. Satan is pro-death. The thief comes but to steal, to kill, and destroy. John 10.10. 10. Another very easy way to tell. Who's of God and who's not? Do you love the truth or not? Now again, the truth can be presented many different ways because every preacher, teacher called by God to represent Him has a different style. And it's just like uh, with our current president. It seems like the vast majority of people who hate Him hate Him not because of His substance but because of His style. And that's how the enemy works, you see. If he can bring forth somebody who's polished, who's eloquent, you know, charismatic, then that person can say anything and people will believe him. But if you go back through the Bible and look at some of the prophets and different ones, there were some pretty abrasive characters there. And even Jesus, I mean, Jesus was not seeker-friendly. I mean, he said to his own follower, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. If, if Jesus was here today and talked to his disciples like that, they would probably walk away. And they would accuse Jesus of using hate speech. Jesus, who is love. As we read here, God is love. But when you examine the hard sayings of the Bible, and again, many people do this, they say, How, that's an, a mean, nasty God in the Bible. Look what he's done to people down through the centuries. But what they don't understand, God is perfect. God is holy. God is just. God can never, ever make a mistake. God can never do anything wrong. So if you have a problem with something God has done, the problem is with you, not him. I promised myself I was going to keep it on the download today. I feel it slipping away already. The world, they, see it's important for all of us to make sure we're part of the we and not part of the they. The saints, the ain'ts. Again, I'm not saying we're superior, we're better. One of the thumbnail definitions of a Christian is a sinner saved by grace. We're not perfect, we're just forgiven, Right? And anybody can be forgiven if they're willing to confess their sins to God and repent and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We're not better. We're not superior. We're just not going to hell. And I like that. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're not saying anyone is any worse than another. How many sins does it take to make you a sinner? One. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And again, God who is perfect and just and holy and righteous and eternal, He's the one who sets the standard. No human being. John 12, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. So understand, when 
Jesus, when John and different ones are talking about the world, they're obviously not talking about the geography of this planet. They're not talking about the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees. No, they're talking about, you like it when I throw little songs in like that? They're talking the world system. Here's what happened. God put Adam and Eve in charge of this world. He basically made them the king and the queen of planet Earth. He told them to rule over this world, to be fruitful and multiply. Then they fell into sin, and they basically turned the dominion over to Satan. And so the Bible says Satan is the prince of this world. And so when John talks about they are of the world, that means they are tied in, tapped in, kind of like the Matrix, if you've ever seen the Matrix movies. I talked about this a while back. The Matrix. To receive Christ, to be born again, is to get unplugged from that matrix of the world and get plugged into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now is a judgment. See, and you might say, well, I don't get it then. If when Jesus came, the world was judged and Satan was cast out, it's, it's a two-part thing. The first part He's cast out of the hearts and minds of men and women. When you receive Christ, the kingdom of God is within. Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom's not of this world. If it was, I would fight for it. But guess what? When he comes back, his kingdom will be of this world, and he will fight for it, and he will win. Amen. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. NIV says, now is the time for judgment on this world, now the prince of this world will be driven out. But he's still around right now. He's been driven out of your heart and mine. He's been driven out of mine. But he still rules and reigns in the hearts and minds of millions and even billions of people all over the world. Does he not? But after the seven-year tribulation, the final outpouring of God's wrath on an unbelieving world, and when we come back with Christ... He will be totally driven out. He'll be chained and thrown into the abyss for a thousand years. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Wow, this is a big challenge, folks. Because from a human, natural carnal perspective you could argue that there's more about this world to love now than ever before I mean you think about how people lived 100 and 150 years ago most people now there were always the wealthy the prosperous and so forth but for most people life was just about making it day to day surviving working hard all day going home having supper they didn't have TVs they didn't have computers they didn't have cell phones. You actually had to interact with your family members. Now there are so many ways to titillate the flesh, to excite the flesh, to gratify the flesh. Now I remember when I was about, about six years old, five, six, we were living briefly right next door to my dad's younger brother and his wife. And I was over there at the house one day and I found a girly magazine that my uncle had. That was my first exposure to that kind of thing. Kind of young. Maybe not by today's standards, but back then it wasn't that common, I don't think. I don't know. But all I know is 
I remember going a little bit older, 10, 11, 12, going into the local Circle K or 7-Eleven, and they had those magazines, but they had a wooden thing in front of them to cover them up, remember? Or sometimes they'd be back behind the counter and you had to ask, and of course they're not going to give one to a kid. I never asked for one, wasn't interested. But now, not only do they not cover them up, now they have whole stores dedicated to that stuff called adult entertainment stores or whatever. And you can go on the internet anytime, anywhere, and find any kind of vile garbage that you want to find. All of these are modern phenomena that were never in existence before. And just one more indicator as far as I'm concerned that we are in the final days of this present age. Do not love the world or the things in the world. You look at the modern entertainment industry, whether it be motion pictures, television, now you've got all your streaming, your Netflix, your Hulu, your Yahoo, Woohoo. You've got massive worship of actors, musicians, singers, sports figures. I mean, our world is more rampant, perhaps, with idolatry than it's ever been before. And let's not kid ourselves that we as Christians are not tempted by these things as well. Because we are. But John, again, it's just so black and white. We, we want to muddy the waters. We want to make everything gray so we can kind of just move around the perimeter and kind of walk the line. But John makes it real clear. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Wow. That's pretty convicting, isn't it? They are from or of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world. But here's the deal, folks. Because they... John isn't just talking about your everyday garden variety heathen, pagan. If you remember the context of this book and these passages that we've been studying, a lot of it has to do with deception, false teachers, deceivers. Therefore, they speak as of the world. Here's the deal. They speak to the church, but they speak from a worldly viewpoint. Hillsong. Everybody heard of Hillsong? Well, you probably should know that they, uh, they're supportive of gay rights, gay marriage, all, that, all the above. Got millions of people all over the world singing their worship songs, but their theology stinks. Andy Stanley, the son of Charles Stanley. How many of you heard of Charles Stanley? Andy Stanley has his own megachurch now. He says, Christians do not need to, should not study the Old Testament. The Old Testament is for the Jews and New Testament is for the Christians. The only problem with that, to fully understand the New Testament, you have to study the Old Testament. And by the way, Jesus is hidden in the Old Testament. He's throughout the Old Testament. He's in the Old Testament concealed and the New Testament revealed. Andy Stanley also supports gay rights and so forth. And these are some of the preeminent ministries in the world today. Very popular, embraced worldwide. 
They speak as of the world. Now, when any preacher, teacher, leader in the church is saying things, teaching things that are against what the Word of God says, they are speaking as of the world. Do you get that? That's the greatest danger. Really, there's not much danger from hearing some garden variety heathen pagan spew all their garbage about God because they don't know what they're talking about. And certainly you'd be really stupid to listen to somebody like that about your faith. However, when it's some famous, preeminent, well-thought-of preacher, teacher, speaker, and they're telling you this stuff, well, then perhaps you begin to think, well, gosh, maybe I was just too legalistic, too narrow-minded. I mean, obviously, they're representing God. They must know what they're talking about. I guess I better get off of my high horse and embrace homosexuality or abortion because there's more and more churches, more and more preachers. Now, of course, you definitely don't want to get your theology from Alexandria Occasional Cortex. But she said the other day that, of course, Jesus would support abortion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you kind of getting the idea of what he's talking about here? They speak as of the world. 2 Timothy 4.3. You're probably going to, the last several messages, you may hear some of the same scriptures over and over again. Uh, do you think maybe God wants us to read them more than once in our life? Why is he so repetitious? Well, if you can recite back to me everything I've said for the past month, then we won't go over it again. I couldn't even do it. Okay? 2 Timothy 4.3, for the time will come. So again, everybody wants to think, oh, no, that's not our time. That's somewhere else down the line. That's the oh, but the Bible gives specifics about things that are going to happen in certain time frames, and sooner or later, guess what? They're going to happen. The time will come, and I believe we're here right now, when they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't put up with it. It's been years ago now, but there was a famous guy on TV named Paul Crouch. And, of course, he definitely had his critics, and I think rightfully so. But one time he's there on TV, and he says, I'm sick and tired of all this doctrinal doo-doo. I don't know about you, but that shocks me to the core. That any so-called man of God would call doctrine doo-doo? The apostles' doctrine is the foundation of our faith, folks. You don't call it doo-doo. The point he was trying to make, oh, we shouldn't fight over all these doctrinal issues. Let's just all get along and praise the Lord. And it, well, I tell you, there's so many parallels between the spiritual world and the secular world because anybody right now in the secular world the political world what have you that tries to speak up for the truth is demonized because God even said in the Old Testament that the time would come when they call evil good and good evil and we're right here you speak up for the truth you're the bad guy you're the demon if you love the lie 
Boy, you're Mr. Popularity, Miss Popularity. According to their own desires. And that's what's going on, folks. Why is all this heretical doctrine and teachings and beliefs coming into the church? Because people are feeding upon their own desires. They want to sleep with people they're not married to. They want to sleep with people of the same gender. They want to just do whatever they want to do and just, hmm, there's a presidential candidate right now like that. He has a husband. So I guess he must be the wife. So is he going to be the president or the first lady? I don't know. Pete Buttigieg. Lord God, help us. <laughs> because they have itching ears and they need to be scratched. They want to hear something that will allevi alleviate their itch. There used to be an expression regarding marriages that the men in particular would get the seven-year itch. There was a movie, The Seven-Year Itch, where you get this desire to maybe go get scratched somewhere else. They will heap up for themselves teachers. That sounds like a bunch to me. What do you think? Heap up. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And then as we saw, I believe it was last week, 2 Timothy 3.5, having a form of godliness. Yeah, that uh, gentleman I mentioned a, a minute ago that has the husband, he regularly speaks out about his faith and how he's a follower of Jesus Christ and so forth. I'm sorry, but he's a liar. You can't be a follower of Jesus Christ if you don't obey his word. That's a lie. He's speaking as from the world. having a form of godliness, but denying its power. The power to transform you, to change you into what God wants you to be. If you don't believe that He can do that and you don't want Him to do that, then that is a form of godliness, but denying its power. And again, that's so mean and hurtful that Paul would tell Timothy, from such people turn away. That's... Paul's just being very mean there. How are we going to win them to Christ if we turn away from them? Again, who was Jesus harder on than anybody else? The religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He was very loving and kind and understanding with your everyday sinner. The people who were broken and humble and knew they were a mess. He was most hard on those who thought they knew it all and they had it all together. And if someone is having a form of godliness but denying its power, denying that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, and we've already gone over all that that means. I'm not going to repeat it. Turning away from those who speak as of the world. From such people turn away because... They're a bad influence. I've seen it so many times. 
Let's give an example like, okay, say for a married couple that maybe has attended this church in the past. One person's just really getting into it, loving it, digging it, growing in the Lord. The other one's got an attitude. Nine times out of ten, the person with the attitude pulls away the person that's doing well. Rarely does it go the other way. Negativity, criticism, a critical spirit, a divisive attitude poisons you. That's why Paul says, turn away. Turn away from that person. You hang around them long enough, you listen to them long enough, they will drag you down. Do you get it? Yes. It could be a family member. It could be a friend, whoever it is. Paul didn't say, come out from among them and be you separate for nothing. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God for discernment. You need to know your own limitations. How much can you engage with someone like that before they begin to get the better of you? Pastor Chuck used to issue the same warning when dealing with Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. Those people are well-trained folks. They didn't just kick them out the door and say, go make a bunch of Mormons. Go make a bunch of DAWs. They're very well-trained. They have an answer for anything and everything you can throw at them. And see what begins to happen? When you keep throwing stuff at them and they keep giving you a good answer, pretty soon you begin to question yourself. You begin to think, maybe I'm wrong and maybe they're right. That's why so many people in the church today are embracing abortion, embracing homosexuality, gay marriage, transgenderism. Why are so many so-called believers embracing these things? Because they have not obeyed the scriptures and turned away. And you engage in that long enough, the chances are you're going to be dragged down. I'm not saying shun them, be mean to them. Keep, just keep a healthy space. It's like trying to go down to the, especially if you have a, had a problem in the past with alcohol, and you're, you think, oh, God's calling me to go down to the bar and witness. Before you know it, you're into the wrong spirits. Bring them out of the bar and witness them. To, don't go into the bar and witness. Now maybe, if you've never had a problem with that, but I still think it's probably not wise. I'm going to go down to the dispensary and tell these guys how they don't need pot. Well, the air in here is pretty invigorating. <sighs> Folks, all these scriptures that we're reading here this morning... This is the false gospel of the last days. Do you get it? A weak, wimpy, namby, pamby, compromising Jesus with no power to save us from sin. In fact, this latest incarnation of the so-called gospel is leading people to believe, I don't need to be forgiven of my sins. I'm okay the way I am. I just, you know, I want to be part of some social group here, and I kind of like this church and these Christians, so I think I'll just identify with this group. I was just reading an article yesterday. I've told you so many times about the uh, problems with Rick Warren, and I just read another expose pointing out what I had already discovered and already knew. There's no discussion. When he talks about someone coming to Christ, there's no discussion regarding sin, confession, repentance. All he says is just invite Jesus into your heart. Just believe in him and you'll be saved. That's only part of it. It's incomplete. 
That's not the whole gospel, the full gospel. When Paul writes to Timothy, denying its power, he's talking about the power of God unto salvation, as he speaks of in Romans 1.16. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, why would Paul say that? Unless, in fact, indeed, in Paul's day, and all down through human history, and I would say especially in these last days, there are people who are ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Well, that's just a little too embarrassing. I can't tell people that God sent His only Son to die on the cross for my sins. God allowed His Son to be beaten to a pulp, nailed to a cross, bled dry. That ain't going to fly in 2019, folks. That's what these people would say. We've got to reinvent the gospel. We've got to come up with a new version that people will accept. It's not about you accepting God's gospel. It's about Him accepting you. And you, He accepts you when you fully embrace His gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, writes Paul, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, also for the Greek or the Gentile. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because that's where the power is. That's where salvation comes in. And yet we have so many today that do appear to be ashamed of the gospel, at least God's gospel, so they come up with their own gospel, one that they won't be embarrassed by and one that won't get anybody saved. Do you see that? A friend of mine from out of state talked to him this past week, said, hey, I was uh, watching your live stream. I just happened to turn it on right when you were yelling at the congregation. I should have thought of it at the time. I should have said, well, it wouldn't have mattered where you came in. <laughs> I said I wasn't yelling at them. He says, yeah, I know. You were exhorting them. But you know what? And again, like I said earlier, everybody has their own way of presenting the Word of God. Everybody has their own style and so forth. But when you look at how excited people get about, again, their favorite sports team, Athlete, singer, rock star, actor, politician. If we can't get at least as excited about God, I think we've got a problem. <laughs> I miss the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Remember the judge? Oh, man, he was, that, what an encouragement that guy was. He's with Jesus now. He's probably shouting from up there. Okay, so here you go. We're still in verse 5. <laughs> Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears or listens to them. Now, isn't that interesting? The world listens to these false prophets, false teachers, Spirit of the Antichrist, the world just loves. I mean, whoever America's pastor happens to be at the time. You've heard that expression before, right? And now live here on Fox News, we have America's pastor. Really? Who died and made him the pastor, you know? Whether it be Rick Warren, Joel Osteen, you name it. 
The world just, and I, I used to run into people all the time. And then I thought, well, that's not nice. I won't run into them anymore. <laughs> no, and they would, just, they would just gush about Joel Osteen, Mr. Cheeseball. And I know people call me names too, so that's okay. I don't care. Folks, see, I, I came up with a policy a long time ago. If I'm in Sam's Club and I see a Christian book, I don't buy it. Because if it's in Sam's Club, it's probably not doctrinally sound. Because if it's in Sam's Club, that means millions of people are buying it. And most people that are buying these books don't know sound theology from a hole in the ground. It's just something that makes them feel good. You see? In fact, I don't even go into Christian bookstores and buy books anymore because 90% of that's garbage too. Except for the Bibles. And even then you've got to watch out for the translation. There's one book you can always rely on. Do you know which book that is? The Word of God. It's really the only book you need. Now we can learn and grow in fact, I had a stack of books I was going to bring up here to show you, and I forgot and left it in the back. We've got uh, some books back there by Corey Ten Boom. We've got some of Pastor Chuck Smith stuff, and I was going to mention that and encourage you to check out some of those things back there that most people don't ever go back there. We've got an information table back there. We've got books back there, but we try to make sure that there are books that are sound, that are not written by false prophets, okay? If the world loves... Your pastor, he just might be a fill-in-the-blank. I love that preacher. He told me I'm okay just the way I am. He makes me feel so good. Make me feel so good. What song is that? Feel all right. Anyway, it's one of those ones back there in the day. I love that preacher. Oh. So uplifting. Okay, verse 6. We talked about they. We, says John, are of God. He's speaking when he says we here, of course, of himself and his fellow apostles, though those who are in line and in agreement with him and what they've been taught by Christ. We are of God. What he's saying is, we're not speaking to you as of or from the world. Our message is from God, not from man. We are of God. And so he who knows God hears us because we're speaking God's word. If anyone truly knows God, they will adhere unequivocally, irrevocably, unswervingly to the apostles' doctrine. The Holy Scriptures once for all, delivered to the saints. And by the way, again, here's when they speak to you as from the world, they will tell you, well, yeah, you know, we love the Word of God too, but brother, I think you're kind of being legalistic here. You're being a little too dogmatic. You ever heard that one? It's not legalistic. It's called obedience. It's called adhering to the truth. And by the way, I looked up the word dogmatic again just to make sure I really understood. And people, if you, if you hold unswervingly to the truth, people will call you dogmatic because they say, that's arrogant of you to believe that, that only you have the truth. 
Well, I don't believe that only I have the truth. I believe only God has the truth. So call me dogmatic if you want. It's not legalism. He who is not of God does not hear us. So when you find yourself or someone else being offended or upset by the truth of God's word, that means you're not hearing him. Can you hear me now? To hear means you, not only does it go into your ears, it penetrates your heart and your mind. You take it in. Jesus said, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. You see, the carnal, that means fleshly, the carnal, unregenerate, lost person cannot hear or understand the word of God. That's why you'll hear so many people say, well, yeah, I know you Christians follow the Bible, but it's just filled with contradictions. No, actually it's not. The problem is you can't hear it, you can't understand it because you've not been born again by the Spirit of God. Paul covers that here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 12 through 14. Now we, again, just like John says we, Paul says we, have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Again, how do you know what God's given you? How do you know what God's will for your life is? How do you know what God's do's and don'ts are? You have to get into the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, would be our teacher, our guide, leading us into all truth. These things, verse 13, we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches as from the world, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And I've said this so many times too. So many times when we read the Bible, we're thinking in earthly terms, natural terms. But Jesus taught through parables, which are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. When Jesus speaks, he's always speaking primarily of the spiritual. And the problem is when we dumb it down, when we dumb down the things of the Bible to an earthly level, we miss the point. He tells it to us in such a way that we can comprehend and understand it. But we need to elevate our thinking, not de-elevate it. Verse 14, but the natural man... So by the way, if there's a natural man, then there's also a what? A supernatural man or woman. If you're a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've been filled with the Spirit of God, you need to begin to think of yourself as supernatural. We still live in bodies that are failing. We have not yet received our eternal, immortal, imperishable, glorified bodies. We've not yet transitioned into eternity, but we are supernatural. A supernatural work has occurred inside of us by the Spirit of God. The natural man, however, Paul writes, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. And you may, you, maybe you've had this experience where you're trying to share your faith with somebody. You're trying to talk to them about God, about Jesus, and they're just not getting it. They don't, here's why. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But 
how do you get from point A to point B? Well, I've told you many times, pray for those that you're concerned about, those that you're trying to win over, that God will impart to them the gift of faith and the gift of repentance. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews chapter 11. Pray that God will break through their deception. Pray that God will give them the gift of faith. Nobody ever conjures up that faith from within. Do you realize that? It comes from God. Remember the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus said, hey, it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples said, Oy vey! Who then could be saved, Lord? We thought that God loved the rich people more, and that's why they were rich. Who could, be, then, who could even be saved if, if even the rich... It's hard for rich people to get saved. How are us poor folk going to get saved? Jesus said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. In the natural, it may look impossible... Therefore, we need a supernatural touch from the Lord. Because with God, all things are possible. Even the most hardened atheist can be saved. And honestly, perhaps the hardest person to reach is the one like we spoke of earlier, the religious person. Whatever that religion is, whatever that belief system is, if it's not based upon a born-again relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, if it's a works mentality, that you're saved by your own good works, whatever it is, oftentimes that's the hardest person to reach is the one that thinks they're already saved. Because I'm a good person. So surely, if there is a heaven, if there is a God, I'm going to get to go there because I'm a good person. How do you know you're a good person? Well, I've never murdered anybody. Really, Jesus said if you hate somebody, you've murdered them. I've never committed adultery. Jesus said if you've ever lusted after somebody, you've committed adultery. Sorry. If you think you're good, you're wrong. Only God is good, Jesus said. Jesus told this guy, guy comes up and says, good master, good teacher, what must I do to inherit, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, Jesus wasn't saying I'm not good. He was saying do you know what you're saying when you call me good? Because I am God. No one is good except God alone. There is none righteous. No, not one. The world hears or listens to them. Okay, we are of God. Got to pick up where I left off here. Okay, so anyone who fails to embrace even one of the cardinal doctrines or beliefs of the apostles' doctrine, according to John... Okay, not me. According to John, they are not of or from God. If you claim to hear it, he who is not of God does not hear us because we are of God. We sp we're speaking for God. If you claim to hear it, I hear you, man. You got to hear it all. A lot of people pick and choose. Well, I, I kind of like that part of the Bible, but I don't really believe this part. You see? No, no, no. If you're going to hear it, which means to understand it and to follow it, you've got to hear it all. It's an all or none proposition. 1 Peter uh, 1, 24 and 25. All flesh is as grass. What happens to grass? It rises up. It gets all green and lush and nice. And then after a period of time, 
fades away, right? That's what we're like. We come into this world, we have our moment in the sun, we have our peak and our prime, which many of us here in this room have, are way past. I said us. I'm not pointing any fingers. I did say us, did I not? Okay. All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass, which also fades, dies, passes away. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. Ah, it's, it's amazing. Some, have you ever looked at some of those, like, then and now pictures of famous people? You know, then and now. And, boy, they, man, that woman was so gorgeous. And then, like, now comes up, and it's like, ah! <laughs> and then maybe you've been going back through some family photos. And you go, wow, who's that good-looking guy? Oh, that's me. <laughs> and then you look in the mirror, and you go, ah! right the grass withers its flower falls away but the what is the one constant now Jesus said I'm the same yesterday today and forever and Jesus is the word but notice here the word of the Lord endures forever you know when something there's not a lot of things that endure forever folks right this whole world is passing away if you got something that endures forever you better grab onto it as hard as you can and hold on and that's the word of the Lord. It's the one constant in this life. God and his word. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Not man's gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Actually, probably a pretty good time to stop rather than getting into this next section. Because next, John kicks into his apostle of love mode kind of been in the apostle of truth mode up to this point. So I think we're going to save this agape section for next time. So let's stand. Father God, I pray that you would cause your word to penetrate deep within our hearts and minds. Lord, we have such a tendency to be subjective instead of objective. Subject to our own feelings, our emotions, our own opinions. And Lord, as we talked about today... No matter how much we may love you, and no matter how much we may love your truth, we have to be careful because there are those out there that would like to influence us to go in a different direction. And unfortunately, many of them are within the church. And today, they're on the TV, they're on the radio, they're on the internet, they're all around us, Lord. And Father, I have a concern that far too many believers are subjecting themselves to too many different philosophies of men, opinions of men, fables, as Paul said to Timothy, but because they have such a great presentation, they're charismatic, they're attractive, they got lots of money. Lord, they're influencing millions of people all over the world. We pray that we will not be among that group. And you'll give us the discipline we need to turn away when we need to turn away, Lord. Not because we're snobs, not because we're holier than thou, but because you have entrusted us with a tremendous responsibility to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. To, to love the truth, not just like it, to love it, to embrace it, to live it. And Lord, the surest way for us to be able to win over others, to help others come out of the darkness into the light and out of death into life is to stand firmly in the truth for it's only your truth that can save them.
It's not men's philosophies, men's opinions, any kind of a new reinvented gospel for 2019. None of that stuff is going to save them. Only the true gospel of Christ handed down to us from the apostles. So Lord, give us strength. Help us to be loving. We'll get into that next week. Lord, you're not telling us to be mean, nasty, incorrigible, prideful, arrogant, elitist. You're calling us to be ambassadors of your love and your truth. Lord, as we close now, we pray that you would just help us to offer up our praise in this one final song. And for those who need prayer, Father, please draw them by your spirit that they might come and receive that which they need today, what they desire from you, Lord, whether it be healing, guidance, wisdom, direction, or even salvation. Just pour out your Holy Spirit in these closing moments, Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.